Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Will Doctor, alongside co-host James Ledbetter, and we stay in Vegas this week for the CJ Cup after Sung JM uh, took home the Shriners last week. Uh, this this week is much much different. Uh, the players are not are not returning to the course that the CJ Cup uh, was held last year, so really no real reason to look at past results of this tournament. Um, although I did incorporate how players have performed in the city of Vegas uh, in general when making my picks this weekend. Um, in rarity, I'm in love with the outright favorite in Dustin Johnson. But, Led, uh, how are you and what do you got for us on the CJ Cup this week? Yeah, a little recap from last week. Obviously, congrats to Sung Jay. Pretty awesome final round there. I had a pretty brutal week. I know you had a, a couple picks that uh, went nicely. Um, it seemed like a couple of my, especially my DraftKings lineup, seemed to be a little more intrigued by the uh, Fury Wilder fight than their own golf games. Unfortunately, a couple of my guys in my lineup uh, were attending that fight out till probably two in the morning and then trying to make 7.30 a.m. tea times the next day. Doesn't exactly bode uh, well for uh, playing well on Sunday. Cough Brooks. <laughs> but, um, you know, onward and upward, we're here. Uh, here in Vegas again for the CJ Cup, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and now you're spot on. When I saw that Brooks was at the uh, the the Wilder Fury fight, you know, I could only feel lucky because I had the only ticket I had with him was kept over Webb, and Webb missed a cut. So you know, Brooks shot four over, was four over right the final round. Um, yeah, I believe and, it was. It really know, it was. Didn't, didn't even uh, didn't even really matter because Webb had missed the cut. Um, you know, Sung Jay, you know, covered obviously one and I had him over Tringali. So, uh, didn't hit my best bet with Zal top 20, but, uh, onward and upward this week, uh, the summit club. Yeah. So moving into that, we have a limited field this week. It's a little closer to an invitational. It seems like pretty much everyone from the Ryder cup is playing. Um, obviously a couple guys sitting out, um, but just moving into how the field is set up, it's a top 60 from last year's FedEx Cup and then has a couple sponsors exemptions mixed in there as well. We have guys like Ricky, Justin Rose, a couple UNLV guys getting the nod. So Jason, Day, less... Jason Day getting a nod too this week. <laughs> Jason Day as well. He was actually contending in it last year until uh, I don't know if he ended up withdrawing or some some sort of – A little back, a little back. Some, you know? sort of, <laughs> some sort of thing happened. But uh, yeah just looking at the field less than 80 guys playing no cut so even this week when we're looking at picks to place i want you to look at top tens close you know they're those are going to be um divvied out a little more like top 20s and top 20s are going to be divvied out a little more like top 40s just in terms of the numbers we're seeing obviously a pretty top heavy field so um not exactly the money we would see on that but um just moving into the golf course, we're playing the Summit Club. Uh, it's a par 72, and it's just over 7,400 yards. Four reachable par fives this week and three reachable par fours. So, you know, this tournament is originally supposed to be in Japan, and um, I don't remember the course over there. It was actually a Fazio design. Last year, because of COVID, they moved it to Shadow Creek, also a Fazio design. But this week seems like, you know, this course wasn't designed to be a 
to host PJ Tour events. It's definitely a glorified resort course, I'd honestly call it. They're going to be playing the back edge of every tee box just to make it work, just to stop it from going 30 under. So I really do see low scores this week. And um, like we talked about, it's going to be a shootout. In terms of the golf course, even though it is in Vegas, it's not really a desert course. It's going to play a little bit more like a Parkland or, you know, if you don't know what Parkland means, it just means a little more trees, a little more dog leggy, uh, you know, closer to an Augusta National uh, than a TPC Scottsdale in terms of course setup. And then really one of the things that stands out in terms of the golf course is pretty wide fairways. You know, it's a resort course. They want they don't want these uh, these members and guests uh, looking for their ball all day when they're playing in bushes. I'm sure uh, we got a couple guys in the field that will find the uh, the desert. But for the most part, we are going to see guys playing from the fairway and uh, – just in terms of the fact that it's over 7,400 yards, thin air, reachable par fives, reachable par fours. Going to look at some bombers this week. Going to look at, you know, some crooked bombers that uh, normally wouldn't have a chance to uh, uh, play as well. This is the opposite of something like uh, a course like where the Tour Championship was hosted, where you got to, ch- you know, you can't even reach the green in terms of uh, having thick Bermuda rough. Um, really even with wild tee shots, most of the time you're going to be able to uh, hit the green in regulation in, uh, in two shots. So shouldn't be too much of an issue in terms of the golf course. It is a Tom Fazio design. He's known for having tricky green complexes and uh, well-placed bunkering. Tom Fazio has a couple courses in the PJ tour rotation. So one thing we will look at is strokes gained on Tom Fazio designs. Going back to last year. Yes, we are on a different golf course, but just, you know, Give Jason Kokrak a little shout out. He won here last year uh, at Shadow Creek, Tom Fazio design. He's playing this year, uh, this year as well. Looking at Justin Thomas, he's a two-time champion of this event when it was in Japan. If someone mentions something about a player having four top tens in this event, those could all be on different countries, different golf courses. So, you know, unless it's specifically talking about how he's played well on Tom Fazio, kind of toss that information out in terms of a guy looking for back-to-back-to-back top tens here because, you know, he was traveling north, south, east, and west in terms of getting to that course where it was played. Um, For our picks this week, having said that, let's just focus on guys who are, you know, hot, guys who are playing well right now and guys who have played well on Fazio's. And then one more little factoid I have have about the golf course, Colin Morikawa and Maverick McNeely are full-time members here. So obviously going to a new tour venue where, some guys obviously haven't seen the course in the past. I think it is uh, a distinct advantage. You know, this isn't like a guy being a member at uh, TPC Scottsdale and then the entire, you know, and then the yeah, field with, shows up with 80 other pros with 80 other pros and they, they play it every year. You know, I'm sure half the field is getting a, a look at this course for the first time. So given the fact that Morikawa had the original course record with a 62, and Maverick McNeely has the most recent course record with a 61. I think that is something to look at kind of going forward into this week. Beautiful. Let's get into these. Uh, let's get into these favorites this week. Led. I'll start us off with Dustin Johnson uh, at 10 to one and first start since he went five Oh and in the Ryder cup simply had the best performance of any player at the event. Uh, and here's the deal this week for D- DJ. He's probably going to win this golf tournament. He didn't, Uh, You know, he didn't even hit the ball well uh, the last five events of last season um, and ended up finishing top 10 in three of those events. So he did that all while losing half a shot to the field 
uh, from T to green on average in his last five events. And his putting pretty much carried him through the ball striking uh, debacle, picking up about four shots um, on the field, on the greens. And, and, and he putted absolutely amazing at the Ryder Cup. Um, and also saw, you know, DJ is finally going to lock it up with Paulina. You know, they're getting married down at Blackberry Farms. Um, and Tennessee looks absolutely phenomenal lead. So DJ finally setting, settling down. And, and what does that mean for his golf game? I'm thinking, I'm thinking great things. So um, I'm hammering DJ this week. We'll get to that in the winners. Um, and, and, and this could be my, uh, my first outright winner of the year, lead. Okay. You know, and just piggybacking off that, I do like Dustin. I'm not sure I love him at 10 to one. Uh, always, you know, first event of the season, who knows, shaking the cobwebs off, obviously Vegas, has a couple distractions that he'll have to avoid but you know just looking at what we talked about with Fazio courses Dustin is fourth in strokes gained in his last 36 rounds on Fazio courses picking up almost 13 shots um relative to the field so you know Dustin does have a tendency to play these courses as well so moving into our next guy Justin Thomas at 12 to 1 he's a two-time CJ Cup champion he won those events in Japan so we're not going to look at those too much you know, obviously, when you won an event twice, it is nice to see a familiar trophy, some familiar tee markers when you're teeing up. I think that could be good for the mojo, I guess. Uh, but more importantly, Justin is number one in strokes gained in his last 36 rounds on Tom Fazio courses. He's picking up almost 18 shots on the field. So obviously, all of these Fazio courses really fit his eye. Justin has been great statistically as of late as well. Um, relative to the field, he's eighth off the tee and third approach in his last 50 rounds on tour. Those have resulted in two fourth place finishes in his last three events, and both of those being playoff events, obviously with strong fields. And one more small note, this will be his first start since deciding to full-time partner with Jim Bones Mackay, Phil Mickelson's former caddy. Um, you know, honestly, I don't really read into the caddies too much. The one thing I worry about sometimes is pairing with a caddy first event out of the gate but just so we know JT has won with bones on the bag before uh so this is just more of a uh they're not gonna have to shake off many cobwebs in terms of uh getting together I, I remember bones caddying for you know a couple players and honestly I believe he caddied for Matthew Fitzpatrick Memorial when he finished top 10 so whenever bones is on the bag he seems to uh bring good fortune obviously he's one of the best out there he's been doing it for 100 years so um, you know, looking at JT, obviously the thing I love is how good he plays or how well he plays these Tom Fazio courses. And statistically, he's been, you know, unbelievable. The one thing that kind of jumps out to me that I don't like is just like the 12 to 1. Oh, my God. You know, he hasn't really won that much in the last 12 months. Obviously, he won the Players' Championship earlier this year, but hasn't really been able to cross that finish line. So the 12 to 1 worries me a little bit. If you can do a little price shopping, see if you can find that in the 14 to one range, then I really do like JT this week for all the stuff kind of mentioned, obviously former champion, um, great iron player. And just the fact that uh, he's been so great on these Fazio courses. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how, how high that guy uh, sets his bar. Um, yeah, he posted his goal sheet uh, on the gram and he, he missed like 75% of them all while making like $6 million last year. Obviously, yeah, like you said, won the players top five at Augusta. Uh, but I, I'm with you in the sense that I feel like Bones is only going to make, um, you know, a lot of positive impacts on JT's bags as far as getting him in the winner's circle more. And not only 
Um, like we talked about, it's a Fazio course, but it's pretty forgiving off the fairway. The one thing you don't really like about JT is the, I wouldn't say the inaccuracy of the driver, but just more the inconsistency. The fact that he can spray it a little bit out here and still be able to have an iron in his hand. Um, last year, he led the PJ Tour in proximity from the fairway with second shot. So he's going to give himself a lot of birdie opportunities in a, on a golf course that could realistically be in the high 20 unders uh, that wins. Absolutely. And ninth in birdie average on tour last season. So, so expect a lot of birdies from JT this week. Uh, on to Xander Schauffele at 12 to one. Uh, I feel like Xander is the best American golfer that is yet to be, you know, like a, a household name in the golf world. Um, I feel like the Olympic gold at the Kobe Olympics just didn't get, get him that much hype. Um, you know, Olympic golf has such a long way to go. Such a bad product last year with no fans. But uh, Xander this week, I don't love him. He was very shaky off the tee uh, to finish last season. Lost strokes um, with his tee ball in three of the, his last four starts. Uh, did finish fifth at the Tour Championship. Um, and that's saying something at Eastlake. His iron play uh, really came alive there. But I don't love really anything for Xander this week. Um, I like the Xander versus Rory matchup, but I don't like it at the minus 120 number. Um, that just doesn't seem right to me. So um, all in all, probably passing on Xander Shoffley this week. Yeah, and that's same for me. Uh, the only thing I'd really look at for Xander is uh, he has played well in those limited field non-cut events. Uh, he's played great, obviously, in some WGCs. Tournament of champions, he's won. And obviously, like you talked about with the tour championship, that kind of seems like his bread and butter. He just likes when there's 30 guys in, uh, in the field. But, uh, you know, honestly, that's not enough to to warn a pick on him this week. So let's just move into our next guy. The Summit Club member, Colin Morikawa. He's coming in at 16-1. to 1. And realistically, he's coming in a little under the radar despite his uh, Ryder Cup performance. He hasn't really been playing that great results-wise. Shockingly, Colin hasn't registered a top 20 since his victory at the British Open in July. Now, he was dealing with a little bit of a back injury that we heard about. You know, I don't know if it was a back injury or kind of the kind of seems like the normal professional golfer thing when you're struggling a little bit to just blame it on. Oh, well, I had a surgery six months ago that popped back up or all that stuff. But he does have a fair gun and he was able to get that right at the Ryder Cup. Uh, He went 3-0-1 there and seems to be all cleared up. You know, despite his not great results, uh, he has been pretty good still statistically in his last 50 rounds. He's number one tee to green <laughs> relative to the field. So that obviously you like that coming into a course that he's already uh, a member at and played probably, you know, hundreds and thousands of times. Um, honestly, when I'm looking at these guys, I see some guys at 10 to 1, 12 to 1. I actually don't mind calling at 16 to 1. And I do like him in a couple of plays this week if he puts really anything but terrible. Um, do a little price shopping on that, obviously. But um, I do like Colin Morikawa at 16 to 1. And I look for him to kind of, you know, this is like uh, Alabama coming back home after a loss in terms of uh, it is a distinctive. This isn't, you know, playing a golf course all the time, knowing where all the misses, on, misses are. That's a huge advantage. Uh you know, based on the, some of these guys, even half the field seeing it for the first time. So I really do look for him to contend this week, and I do have him in uh, some potential picks to place as well. Agreed, agreed. I like him in a couple head-to-heads, uh, uh, particularly over Finau. 
uh, like him over Burns as well. We'll get into that in head-to-heads, but I, and I, I'm right with you on that this is the right number. Um, I, I think we're getting him at a good price due to just how terribly he played to end last season. Uh, but what what what, a, what an amazing pairing him and DJ were um, in the Ryder Cup. Uh, so, so, so we'll get into more on Morikawa um, and the picks and plays in head-to-heads. And I actually saw uh, this morning – the morning after winning the Ryder Cup, I guess uh, Morikawa went full Tiger and he was in the gym at like 630 the next day in, uh, in Vegas working out. So, uh, you know, one of these guys that we shouldn't have to worry about too much, the fact that he's a member at Summit Club, you know, the, uh, the bright lights shouldn't be uh, too attractive to him, given the fact <laughs> that he, <laughs> he, he spends a lot of time there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on to Rory at 16 to 1. Uh, you know, obviously, as you know, already, I'm not the biggest fan of Rory last year, but I will say this, we did see some improvement, uh, with the putter from Rory to end the season, picked up over three shots on the greens at the Northern trust in BMW, um, and then had a good week at the tour championship, but through that stretch, his iron play just shit the bed. Uh, and, and he's still having, you know, all in all still having, you know, a relatively tough time with the putter besides those three events. And, um, I, you know, I know it can happen any given week for Rory. And I know I touched um, on that Xander and Rory matchup. And that's a tough one. Rory at plus 100 over Xander has some good value. Um, and there's no cut here this week at the CJ Cup. And I feel like that works towards Rory's advantage. Uh, he can afford to shoot like a 73 in the first round and then, you know, fire 61 on Saturday, but um, possibly back, backdoor cover in that Xander head-to-head. Other than that, I, there's nothing I like on Rory this week. Yeah, a lot of people are actually surprised Rory's playing, um, just given the fact that they thought he, they would, he would take a couple weeks, even months off after the, uh, you know, European Ryder yeah. Cup result. Uh, yeah, broke got down. A little, yeah. huh? Broke full breakdown. From Rory. Yeah, got a little emotional there. The one thing Rory does have going for him is he won earlier at Quail Hollow this year. That was a Tom Fazio. So um, obviously likes those types of golf courses. But, yeah, I don't have anything on him uh, either. Well, moving into our next guy, we have Jordan Spieth, 20-1. to 1. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. Um, you know, I used to throw him in the roller coaster cart with uh, Matthew Wolf, But now, really, Jordan is back to being one of the most consistent players on tour. Jordan has finished inside the top 30 in 11 of his last 13 starts. Now, just looking at the CJ Cup this week, one major cause for concern normally would be the fact that Jordan is 180th on tour in terms of finding the fairway. And he's losing most often because of inaccuracy, almost a shot per round off the tee. And his good weeks are really even tied more into his greens rather than his fairway percentage. But looking at this week, the fairways are going to be pretty wide. So like I kind of compared earlier, this isn't like the tour championship where if you hit it in the rough, you know, you got a 40% chance of hitting the green. He's going to be able to play from anywhere and everywhere this week. So I do like Jordan playing well here. Obviously, one of the best short games on tour. I believe he's ninth around the green relative to the field this week. Really good putter on bent grass. And like we talked about, this course kind of fits the bill in terms of being Yes, we are looking at the drivers, but given the fact that you can hit it anywhere, it's going to be more of a second-shot golf course. Having said all that, I don't love Jordan at 20-1, to uh, given the depth of field, but I do like him in some head-to-head and picks a place this week. 
I, I like the numbers for Jordan, of course, over the last 30 events, but what a shocking finish to last season for Spieth. Just could totally lost the T-ball at the Northern Trust and BMW, then started fanning the irons at the Tour Championship. Uh, here's the bottom line. Jordan does not play well in Vegas. Okay, came to the city once for the Shiners a few years ago, finished 55th. Different track here at the Summit this week, but um, I'm going to stay away from speed this week. Uh, and, and on to Louie um, at 22-1. to 1. Uh, Opened his season last week uh, with a top 20 at the Shiners. Um, I do like him this week, but every ticket that I'm seeing on Louie led, it's just so overpriced. I mean, minus 130 in his matchup over speed. Minus 125 to top 20, um, you know, I guess plus 200 to top 10 is, is good value, but I'm not, I'm not totally sold uh, that Louis can put four good enough rounds together against this strength of field. So um, as of right now, I'm passing on Louis all in all this week. I'll have to see if Golden Ocala is a Tom Fazio design or something. Uh, it seems like everybody thinks Louis going to, going to have a good week this week. I'm I'm not on him as well. I can get other guys who are playing much better. Not that Louis play, playing bad, but just hasn't had much um results in the last month or so. Um so moving into our next guy, Sam Burns 22 to 1, same number. And if you're just looking at Sam Burns versus Louis Hayson, I'm taking Sam Burns all all day. Um is there a hotter golf golfer on the planet right now? And I'm not talking about his unbelievable mustache that's been rocking, been going back and forth between mustache and handlebar, just keeping on our keeping us on our heels. Um, he's coming off a win at the Sanderson and a tied 14th at the Shriners. Now, before his final round 72 at the Shriners, highlighted by a double bogey on 18, he was 38 under par in his past seven rounds. Now, before the week, we did get something right. We didn't think Sam could sustain the kind of play, right? After winning the Sanderson going 25 under, and then he'd have to go 25 under, obviously, the next week after Sungjae won um, to win. And what did he do? He shot a final round 72, went from being in the top five in contention to uh, finishing 14th. So just, you know, realistically just ran out of gas. I believe he lost two or three strokes on the greens on that final round Sunday. And it just goes to show, doesn't matter how well you're hitting it, um, these shootouts, obviously putting so many good rounds together can be tough to do. Now, if we're just looking at how he's playing this season so far, he's third off the tee and third approach, resulting the best tee to green on, a, tee to green on tour. Um, looking at Sam Burns, I like him in some picks to place this week. In terms of this tournament, um, this ain't no Sanderson. <laughs> this field is stacked. I look at Sanderson as more of a glor- uh, glorified Corn Ferry Tour event. I could see Sam Burns definitely contending this week, but I think it's a lot to ask for him to win two times in three events, especially at a field like this where you have a guy like Brooks Kepka, not even a top 10 favorite this week. I'm, I'm with you on Burns. I, I, thought, I thought he kind of fizzed out at the end of last week. Um, fresh week, I, I am gonna, I'm going to fade him in the head-to-head. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, on to Tony Finau at 25-1. to as far as result goes, it, you know, I'm not seeing anything I like on Tony this week, but if you want to talk about someone who, who had a great finish in the last year, you know, one Northern Trust, 15th at BMW, 11th at the Tour Championship, um, regardless of losing almost five shots to the field um, at Eastlake. Uh, but that's something you're just going to expect from Tony every once in a while. Just not the best putter in the world. Um, I don't know how much you want to look into how Finau 
um, has done while just playing in the city of Vegas. Um, you know, he, he is a, you know, what, six, seven, eight kids Tony has. He's, he's not, he's not a guy that's going to blow the roof off of Vegas. Okay. But you can expect for him to keep the head on straight there. Um, and, and he's done well, he's done well when he's come to, 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 to the Shriners, different golf course, obviously, but four top twenties and six starts there. Um, so nothing I like in, in the books on Tony this week, but, uh, you know, is playing great golf. Yeah, he is. And, you know, the Utah native, obviously used to the thin air and stuff. It's kind of sad. I don't get to, uh, to pull the, this guy can't win card anymore. Obviously he got over the hump in the, in the playoff event, uh, you know, maybe Cameron Smith handed it to him. Who, uh, who's really saying? You know, uh, <laughs> had a great Ryder Cup too. Carry the had a great Ryder Cup. Yeah, and I think it's a big deal that he got over the hump. But honestly, he doesn't really jump out to me this week. So just moving on to our next guy, Victor Hovland at twenty eight to one. Victor has been cashing checks this past season. He hasn't missed a cut since the players, but has only one top five since May. So kind of been in that middle area of. Not really contending in tournaments, but, you know, he's uh, he's definitely eaten. Uh, in terms of statistically, he's third off the tee and fourth approach in his last 50 rounds relative to the, to the field. Just looking at some recent play, as recent as last week, Victor led the field in strokes gained off the tee and finished 44th. So I'll break that down how that's possible. As we know, Victor's chipping is his kryptonite. Him and Matthew Wolf seem to uh, kind of – you know, in terms of guys that jump out as there's like bad chippers and then there's like this is borderline little yippee kind of thing. Um, Matt and Victor have a have a tendency to kind of lean in and out of that. Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, obviously these guys are tour players, but the changing surfaces, the, you know, changing countries, changing grasses, all that can can lead into that a little bit. But what happened with Victor last week, he, he got up and down four out of 17 times. So. If he, he would have had a decent short game week last week, like getting up and down, I don't know, 10 out of 17 times, he would have, you know, finished uh, top 10, no problem. Um, because of the chipping issues Victor has, playing in a tournament this week where you got to go 25, 26, 27 under par, you're going to obviously, you don't really want to have bogeys on the card when you need to be shooting 65, 66 every round. So I don't necessarily like him to win at 28 to 1, but looking at how Victor has played in the past, like we talked about, hasn't missed a cut since the players, all of his good weeks are pretty much lined up. But if he hits more than 60, 65% of the greens and he doesn't have to chip, he pretty much finishes in that top 20 range. And looking at him this week, this top 20 is looking more like a top 10, obviously, because we got, got the field split in half. So I do like Victor and some picks to place, but God, if he's got a chip, if he's got a flop shot in 18, I don't know. So, uh, Victor Hovland at 28 to one, I am staying away, but I do like him in some picks to place. I like it. Yeah. Also, uh, you know, he, he loses uh, every time he's on bent grass putting. Uh, this is his worst surface. Uh, loses almost a shot to the field um, on bent grass. And, and, and I'm with you. I have nothing on Victor Hovland except in the pick to place uh, category. Found some good value in there. On to Shane Lowry at 28 to one. Uh, you know, Shane had a pretty good Ryder Cup, but was actually bitching about Patrick Cantlay uh, getting the crowd into the action. Uh, you know, once again, it's too bad that Europe just got absolutely derailed at the Whistling, at Whistling Straits a few weeks ago. 
Um, in regards to Shane Lowry this week after CJ Cup, I'm not thrilled the way he ended last season. He lost about a shot to the field on the greens in his last four events. Um, did have two top 20s in there. Uh, but with the strong field this week, I, I don't see anything in the books that I like. Um, his matchup against Abraham Answer this week um, is appealing in the sense that I, you know, I do like Abe a little bit. Uh, but let's let's just get right into the uh, the head to heads here, Led. Yeah, and it's weird us in such a strong field covering Shane Lowry as a as a top ten favorite. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, when you have guys like Abraham Answer and Brooks, and I don't know. Uh, what they have going with because I don't even feel like Shane really fits the course that well in terms of he's not exactly that long and uh, I don't know I don't really see that so uh, yeah well like you talked about let's just move into our uh, head-to-heads yeah so I, I I'll get us going here um, and my first head-to-head this week is Colin Morikawa over Sam Burns um, at minus 110 Colin Morikawa very upsetting into last season after winning the Open the last three playoff events were his worst performances of the season. Um, like we talked about in the favorites, losing an average of three shots on the greens in his last five events. Uh, but man, what a storybook first Ryder cup for Colin. Um, this is a home field event. Like we talked about. Um, and, and yes, Sam Burns did win two weeks ago, uh, but we, he will be playing his third week in a row. And it, you know, it, it looked like this team was running out at the end of last week. So uh, Morikawa is simply going to route Burns in this matchup. My first head-to-head is Colin Morikawa over Sam Burns um, at minus 110. Okay, my second head-to-head is going to be Brooks uh, Kepka over Victor Hovland at plus 115. Um, you know, I, I did win my Brooks over Webb ticket last week. Uh, luckily, just because Webb missed the cut. Um, and Brooks was out Saturday night uh, for that Fury versus Wilder fight. I don't love, you know, my my guys uh, that I that I have um, on my slate to be out on Saturday night, but um, I love how there's no cut this week. It keeps Brooks in the in the tournament regardless of any, um, you know, kind of suspect rounds. But uh, you know, while we're here, what's the key for Brooks to really make an impact in the tournament this week? Has to get back on track with the putter. Uh, lost over a shot and a half on the greens to the field in his last five events. Um, you know, and, and as far as Hovland is concerned, he's overpriced this week due to a decent Ryder Cup performance um, and a T5 finish at the Tour Championship. Uh, he finished 44th last week at the Shriners, so really nothing to boast about during his time in Vegas. So my second head-to-head um, is Brooks Kepka over Victor Hovland at plus 115. Uh, my final uh, head-to-head is Dustin Johnson over Rory McIlroy at minus 120. Uh, you know, gave Rory quite quite a bit of praise in the favorites about getting things together on the putting greens. Uh, but when it comes to bent grass greens, it's fade Rory all day long, um, especially against DJ, who's finished in the top 10 in four of his last six events um, and really could be heading into the second prime of his career. So well, for that one, I have Dustin Johnson over Rory McIlroy at minus 120. Uh, just to, to skim back over my head-to-heads, it's Colin Morikawa over Sam Burns at minus 110, Brooks Kepka over Victor Hovland at plus 115, and Dustin Johnson over Rory McIlroy at minus 120. Love it. And then moving into mine, I have Justin Thomas over Dustin Johnson, minus 105. The things that kind of stand out, Justin has been playing really well as of late, two top fives in his last three starts. JT plays Fazio courses better statistically. 
And honestly, I do not trust DJ or Paulina in Vegas in a no-cut event. There just seems like one of those rounds. I mean, if you had to do DraftKings odds of that, what uh, <laughs> chances of DJ starting a round hungover? Uh, well, you have to think, luckily, the Fury, the Fury Wilder fight is not this weekend because, you know, you know, Brooks, the misses and DJ and Paulina are, are making an appearance there, just going full, like, Full Rippy Magoo City. Weekend. Oh my God! Yeah, front row. So that that's my first one. Justin Thomas over Dustin Johnson minus one hundred five. For my next one, it's Jordan Spieth over Louis Usain plus one hundred. Not only do I love the number, I just love the way the course uh, sets up. Jordan is tenth on tour in birdie average, like we talked about. Going to be a shootout. Jordan is a significantly better putter on bent greens. And the one place where I was just looking at the head-to-head statistics of these two players, it was uh, driving accuracy. The one thing that jumps out with Jordan as Jordan's Achilles heel is the fact that he is 180th on tour and hitting fairways where you look at Louis being 66. The fact that these are two kind of similar players in terms of results um, goes to show how much better Jordan is once he's, you know, into the irons, wedges and putting. Um, And like we talked about this week, the fairways are super wide. So even with Jordan not being too accurate, he's going to be playing out of the fairway a decent amount. And I just give think that gives him the, the edge over Louis. So Jordan Spieth over Louis Oosthuizen plus 100 is my second head-to-head. And then for my last one, I'm going with a little bit of a football uh, metaphor slash analogy. I'm going Maverick McNeely over Aaron Wise minus 120. I look at these guys as kind of evenly matched college football teams, right? So let's say that it would be a pick em. Um <laughs> This week we're playing at Maverick McNeely's home course, right? So home stadium. So that normally that, you know, that home field advantage normally, you know, three points, something like that. So we'll call that three shots this week. Does that sound good, Will? I love it. And then finishing out that football metaphor, Aaron Wise is a bottom 10 putter in the field on bent grass. So let's pretend he's bringing Mason Crosby kicking for him late game. Uh, So that's another reason I like Maverick McNeely over Aaron Wise minus 120. Jordan Spieth over Louis Usaysen plus 100. And then rounding out my head-to-heads, Justin Thomas over Dustin Johnson, minus 105. Okay, into our picks to place this week um, at the CJ Cup. Um, I, I have two uh, country leaderboard picks to place. So we'll start off right here with Joakim Neiman, um, the top South American at plus 140. Uh, listen, Joko is very comfortable in Vegas. Uh, didn't have the best run last week with the 40th place finish, uh, but does have two top 20s at PGA Tour events in Vegas. So uh, remember this week for Joko at the summit, bent grass is the only putting surface uh, that he actually gains strokes on. So uh, let's take a look at the South American South American leaderboard um, that Joko will have to take down this week. Uh, first is Jonathan Vegas. Uh, Vegas puts terribly on bent grass and ha- hasn't finished uh, better than 38th in his last two events. Next is Emiliano Grillo. Uh, bent grass is also his worst putting surface. And in his last 20 events, uh, he loses one shot to the field um, on greens on average. So not the guy you want to be gambling on right now when it comes to bent grass greens. Uh, and last, the last guy that Joko Neiman has to take down is Sebastian Munoz. Um, who has missed his first three cuts of the 2022 PGA Tour season uh, and ranks 152nd in burning at birdie average. So he is no threat to the field at all this week. So uh, Joakim Neiman will take care of these three players this week, no problem. 
Uh, first pick to place is Joaquin Neiman, top South American at plus 140. My second pick to place this week is Victor Hovland as the top continental European um, at plus 120. Um, you know, I am fading Victor against Brooks in the head-to-heads, but let's take a look um, at who Victor Hovland has to beat in the continental European leaderboard. Um, first off is Alex Noren. Did have a good finish uh, to last season, but lost almost a full shot on his approach um, in two of the last three events of the season. Uh, next, he'll have to beat is Sergio Garcia, who had a Cinderella Ryder Cup, given his age, but missed the cut um, in his last start at Sanderson Farms while trying to defend his championship. Um, and finally, it's Rasmus Hogard, uh, who gets his sponsor's exemption into the event this week, but has never finished better than 37th um, on the PGA Tour. So my two picks to place are Joaquin Neiman, um, as the top South American at plus 140, and um, Victor Hovland um, as the top continental European at plus 120. All right, and moving into my picks to place, I have a Justin Thomas top 10 plus 140. The two-time champ has a lot of things leaning in his favor this week, and I really do think he's going to get off to a good start this, uh, you know, good start for to a season this week in Vegas. One concern for JT, just like uh, like his fellow uh, Ryder Cup teammate Jordan Spieth, is his driving accuracy. But like we talked about, really wide fairways, um, so not worried about him being able to hit those. And uh, one of the things JT has going for him is the fact that he was the best on tour in terms of proximity to the hole from the fairway last season, and he's going to be playing from the fairway a lot. And then like we talked about, earlier he owns tom fazio courses so justin thomas top 10 plus 140 for my first pick to place my next one is sam burns top 10 plus 200 he's leading the tour this year in greens and regulation and strokes gain t to green with his consistency honestly he's just too tough to pass up yes i know it's a strong field very top heavy so i don't know if he can pull off the uh the dub but i don't mind at all him um top 10 plus 200 for sam burns my next one is going to be Tyrrell Hatton, top Englishman, plus 275. I'll do a British accent. Uh, <laughs> to beat Paul Casey um, is really the only guy he has to worry about. Uh, we have Justin Rose, obviously, is a, is a name that jumps out. And then Ian Poulter, another Englishman he has to beat. Um, is Ian Poulter even in this event if he doesn't win his singles match on Sundays at the Ryder Cup? <laughs> That's one thing to kind of think about the way he's been playing. Um and I just really look at this when I look at the other English players playing. We have a guy like Tommy Fleetwood, who's been, you know, he's been a bit on a roller coaster himself. Um, and I look at it more as a head-to-head versus Paul Casey. So the fact that you can get Tyrrell Hatton top Englishman plus two seventy-five, nice value there. And then another guy I'm leaning into a lot this week is Maverick McNeely top ten plus six hundred. Like we talked about, Summit Club member. He's sneaky 10th off the tee in his last 50 rounds relative to the field. Uh, he's made seven of eight cuts leading into Vegas last week where he missed the cut on the number. Um, four top 20s in that top five uh, and a top five in that span. And just looking at that missed cut last week, I think that was a little bit of the look ahead. You know, when you're you're playing at your home course the next week, obviously you want to play well every week, but you kind of are like, oh, you know, next week's the week I really go all out. Um Two events ago, he finished solo second at the Fortnite Championship, which was a bit of a shootout. He shot 
I believe it was 1920 under. So he's used to that kind of golf. So I do look for him to go low this week. And I think there's a lot of value at um, plus 600 top 10, especially in the limited field event. It's closer to a top 15, top 18, um, what it feels like. So my picks to place, it's Maverick McNeely top 10 plus 600. Tyrrell Hatton top Englishman plus 275. Sam Burns top 10 plus 200. And Justin Thomas top 10 plus 140. Same ticket as you. My dark horse is Maverick McNeely, top 10 um, at plus 600. So um, really for all the reasons you said, you know, finished second at the first event of the season um, at the Fortnite Championship. He's gaining shots on all field, on the field in all categories except putting. But where he left, McNeely gains strokes on bent grass surface. So um, that won't be an issue this week. So uh, to start things off, the dark horses, my dark horse is Maverick McNeely, uh, finishing in the top 10 at plus 600 um, and doing it big this week at his home track. Yeah, we have a lot of McNeely. I'm taking Maverick McNeely as my dark horse to win the golf tournament. So Maverick McNeely, 80 to one, brand new tour venue. He's played here over a hundred times. I think it's a big advantage, the fact that he knows where to miss it. And other guys are like, where does this hole go? <laughs> uh, not only that, he has the results and stats to back him back him up playing well this week uh so far this pj tour season he's seventh off the tee and seventh tee to green and he is picking up strokes putting as well so really his entire game's on form he's coming home and uh i just really i wouldn't be shocked at all if he uh, got across the finish line so the fact that we can get him at 80 to 1 uh in that long shot territory absolutely love it so maverick mcneely 80 to 1 for my dark horse and moving into picks to win uh, for the CJ Cup, my first one is is the outright favorite, Dustin Johnson, at ten to one. Um, you know, DJ simply playing the best golf out of any any player coming in this week, flat out. If you missed my spiel uh, to open the favorites, go back and take a listen. Um, you know, fun fact: only four of their golfers have finished five zero and zero five zero and zero ever in the Ryder Cup. Um, and coming off an ample amount of rest, and, and don't like. Um, really anyone else outright this week. I will have uh, Colin Morikawa 16 to one on my card as my second pick to win, um, you know, w- with the home field advantage, although, you know, it doesn't have the results in the last couple of events of last season to back it up. I am confident that uh, uh, being at home and that Ryder cup performance together uh, will lead to good results this week. So my two, uh, picks to win are Dustin Johnson at 10 to one and Colin Morikawa at 16 to one. And then for my picks to win, I have Tyrrell Hatton, 42 to one. Um, I'm calling him Mr. October. I saw a stat that five of Tyrrell's six wins were either in October or November. Wow. So he does start to heat up during this time of year. Last year, he was 29th off the tee and 13th approach. So we absolutely love those stats. And I think they pair up nicely with a birdie fest this week. In terms of recent form, Hasn't had much of uh, on the PJ Tour. He's missed three of his last four cuts. But in his last official start, uh, he finished second place in the Alfred Dunhill two weeks ago on the European Tour. So um, is playing well. Uh, In terms of the fact that he also finished tied third in the CJ Cup last year at Shadow Creek, also a Tom Fazio design. And guess where his last, um, his other top three finish was on the PJ Tour in the last calendar year? It was at Congaree which is also a Tom Fazio course. So this guy loves Tom Fazio courses. And uh, so I do love Tyrrell Hatton this week at 42 to one. And then for, I am going to pick one of the favorites. I'm going to take Justin Thomas, the two-time CJ cup champion looking for his third CJ cup. 
man, by the time he's done playing, he might have he might have enough cups to uh, play beer pong or something. Um, obviously, like we talked about, those those uh, those wins are on different golf courses, but he plays really good on Fazio courses. Elite iron player, two top fives in his last uh, three starts, and got a new caddy on the bag who's the best in the biz. So we're taking Justin Thomas this week at twelve to one. And on to our DraftKings lineups for this week. Um, I took a one nothing lead last week in our 2002 PGA Tour season uh, showdown. Uh, but I'll start it off here with my lineup. I'm going Dustin Johnson, uh, Brooks Kepka, uh, Jason Kokrak, who is the defending champion of the CJ Cup, but obviously not on this golf course. Uh, Joaquin Neiman, uh, Kevin Strillman, and Harry Higgs. And Strillman and Higgs have just been absolutely dynamite for me in DraftKings, right? That's a, that's a nice lineup you hey, got hey, there. Higgs, Higgs is a question mark in Vegas, too. Total wild card, that guy. Total wild card. That guy, you can see him with, uh, you know, six button downs sitting at the table. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely going all in. He seems like a craps guy to me. Um, but moving into my lineup, I'm going with Victor Hovland, Sam Burns, Tyrrell Hatton, Maverick McNeely, the Grim Reaper, Patrick Reed, and Cameron Davis. Oh, Look at P. Reed, P. Reed last week, still get, still getting those, uh, still getting those two lungs under him after that double pneumonia. Led. Hey, you know, for a guy who's been, you know, I haven't recommended P. Reed in any of my picks this week. For a guy who is normally one of the top ten players in the world, it seems since you know the last couple of months he's had a a lot of stuff going on, uh, changing swing coaches, almost dying, a lot of stuff going on. So. Uh, you know, if you can get a guy like I did see Patrick Reed was, I believe, um, 50 to one kind of area. And realistically, when he's healthy and the game's in shape, he's a top 10 player in the world. So as an app, I'm not going to recommend it as a pick. But, you know, if you're leaning Patrick Reed, just go with it this week. And on to my best bet, uh, who it's actually it's one of my head to heads. My best bet this week is going to be Dustin Johnson over Roy Mathlore at, my, at minus 120. Um you know, as far as, you know, you can't, it's tough to, to, to pick a guy in the field who puts it worse um, on bank grass uh, than Roy McIlroy and, and, and DJ just booming with confidence with everything going on um, and everything I said back in the head-to-heads. Um, so my best bet this week is going to be Dustin Johnson over Roy McIlroy at minus 120. Okay. And then for my best bet, I'm doing Victor Hoblin top 10 plus 240. No one in the field is hitting it better than Victor Hovland right now. Like we talked about last week, absolute debacle around the greens. Lost nine strokes to the field. Um, I really doubt that he's going to back that up with another um, that poor of chipping week. He's six on tour in birdie average, and I just think he's more than capable of finishing top ten here. He's got the Mayakoba coming up and uh, looking for a strong result before that. So Victor Hovland top ten plus 240. Okay, and that'll do it for the Golf Preview Podcast and RJ Bell's dream preview for our CJ Cup uh, preview. Best of luck, everyone. Led, I appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Let's do it. Mm-hmm.